welcome to the How Scary Is It podcast, a podcast in which we determine in watching a movie, how scary is it? My name's Anthony. And I'm Bree. And I forget, I you know, having an intro now is like, I got to work on my intro to the podcast. I would normally say, oh, it's a podcast in which we review movies and blah, 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 blah. But now I have to shake things up a little bit. So... I don't know, Bree. Hi. Shake it up. Hi. How Shake are you? Up. I'm good. Um, great. So, um, man, we watch a movie and then we answer the age-old question about the horror or thriller movie that we watch. Bree, what's the question? How scary is it? Whoa! And like we said, it's not how good. Is oh yeah, it? Anthony we, will be we struggle. Anthony will be giving you a score about how good the movie is. I will not. I'm just telling you the straight poop. Is it scary? How scary? Um, I'm yeah. telling you the straight poop because it's this is not the how good is it compared to how scary is it podcast. It's just how scary is it? How scary is it? Because bad movies can be scary. No, I would say, listen, I would actually disagree with that. I would say the worse the movie is, the least, the less scary it can be because I, now you as an audience member are taken out of the essence of the movie so to speak i meant like cinematography wise a movie could be bad but also scary oh sure <laughs> i thought this movie that we watched today was um yeah, this is okay it was cinematography wise pretty good we'll talk about that in a minute but how are you doing today brie i'm doing good um before the podcast started he was humming bruno mars's um <clears throat> song and what song i forget the name of the song uh I, I when i was your man when i was your man yeah so um miley cyrus just put out a song about fla- called flowers and it's kind of like a dig at her ex-husband liam hemsworth yes because the hemsworth well, well <clears throat> it's it's i can buy my own flowers i can hold my own hand talk to myself for hours saying things you wouldn't understand it's like a diss because he dedicated that song. That was like their wedding song. That's a weird wedding song. I know. I think that's like a breakup song, right? Anyway, he like cheated <laughs> on her like multiple times during their marriage. And she filmed the music video at the place where he cheated on her with other women. And she wore the suit that he wore on. Well, a replica of the suit he wore on the carpet red carpet when they had their like fight on the red carpet they had a fight on the red carpet yeah he told her is it viral yeah it's what he tells her to stop like acting like miley cyrus like she goes and like pretends to lick him and he's like stop like can you be normal for once whoa whoa so if you licked my face on the red carpet i'd be like do you but think what, I, if it, but if, what if what, it was what my, do you think my reaction what if it, would be? What if it was my image, though? Like, I'm the, I, like that's like something like that I would it do. It could be your image. I don't know who's listening to this <laughs> right now. Like, that could be my thing. You're like, the wild one. Right? That's like Miley Cyrus is like the wild like one. She's married to you. Like, she isn't cheating on you. Like, she wants was to she be... Was she doing things that were innately, like, sexual? Yeah, or, like, but that's... promiscuous? Yeah, that's, like, her... her That was her thing during... At the time? Yeah, at the this time. This was, like... It was this Wrecking Ball era Miley Cyrus? No, Wrecking Ball era... Er, wrecking Ball era Miley Cyrus was after their divorce. Well, really? 
Yeah. Really? No. Wrecking Ball era Miley Cyrus was like 2015, right? 2016. When did Wrecking Ball come out? That's what I was saying. 2015, 2016. I could be wrong. You know why I think it is 2015, 2016? They they were married. No, maybe when they first broke up the first time. That was Wrecking Ball era? Yeah. So Wrecking Ball came out in 2013. Oh, geez. I was way off, huh? 2013. When when did Miley and Liam break up? They broke up. Twenty seventeen. I'm gonna call twenty seventeen. They broke up. Twenty officially in twenty nineteen. Why did they bring up the first time? Twenty seventeen. I'm taking a guess. I'm taking a shot at the dark. August twenty ten. They broke they, up the first they time. They broke up the first time. Okay, well, I think our timeline might be off. I know, I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confu- anyway, he's a piece of poo. He is? Yeah, he was like a, like um, emotionally abusive. Cool. Well, not cool, but I, I'm, I don't know I'm glad too much to about see Miley the... Cyrus moving. I, I'm always happy to see women moving past men who serve them no longer. <laughs> um, oh, I don't man, know. Like, I could not imagine, because she loved him. Like, she loved him a lot. And like he cheated on her. Was he what Not the once. climb was about? No, the climb. The climb was written for the movie that he was in okay. with her. The last song. Yes. Yes. Okay, I knew that that had some. There was a correlation somewhere that I just like wasn't getting. He, I think Liam's problem. He's fell in love with the Miley Cyrus, the character Miley Cyrus played in the last song. He didn't fall in love with Miley Cyrus. So the last song was pre-Miley, like, moving past Hannah Montana, right? Like, where she was still a good old Southern girl. Yes, yes. And I think he fell in love with the character in which he played, and not the person that is Miley Cyrus. What was her name in Hannah Montana? Miley, it wasn't Miley Cyrus. They didn't use her real last name. Miley Stewart. Miley Stewart, yeah. Okay, so maybe he fell in love with Miley Stewart. Who was basically the same character as the last well, song. That she played the same role for like a little while. But it's while. like, I think he wanted the innocent version that she played in this movie. Where like, that's not like who she was. Like she moved past that. Mm-hmm. And then Miley had her era of like, basically sticking up the middle finger yeah (laughs) party whatever we want right partying and like the the like rebellious like post disney era miley cyrus and now i think we're back to a miley i think where it's like she is definitely more focused on like just making good music and that's cool and i i like this song and i it gives me like it gives me T-Swift vibes. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to write a song about you, and every single part of it is alluding to you. Like, there is no mistaken, this is about you, dear John. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I think a lot wait, of Wait, dear t- John was about someone? Dear John is about John Mayer. Like, Taylor Swift dated John Mayer. No, I knew that. I didn't know dear John was about John Mayer. She's looking at me like I'm crazy right like, now. Like she, oh my god, it's just like we know. Back to December is about her relationship with Taylor Lautner. 
how she feels like shit about the way she treated him when they mm-hmm. broke up because she kind of just like ghosted him but what do you so do you appreciate when artists make songs that are like dissing their ex or, or songs that are about i'm moving past my ex or do you appreciate like the ariana grande of it all where she's like thank uh, you next <laughs> where, no where she like compliments all of her exes because thank thank you next is a song about how all of her past relationships have made her the person that she is at that moment i like taylor swift's explanation was like if a guy doesn't want me to write a song about them maybe they should be a good person i feel like you have to know that going into a relationship with taylor swift that like if things go poorly and you're a jerk face like then even, maybe she writes a song i about think you. even there's a song she's about, a songwriter like that's song her thing on one of her albums about um like she's thinking oh my gosh it's a hard <laughs> like a, cl- a letter about closure it's called closure okay um and it's like like, I'm not going to be your closure. Like, in I think it's about it's it's a it's about a British boy. It's either about Styles or it's about um, uh, what's his name? The other British boy. Oh, my gosh. Who? What other British boy did she date? Um, She dated. Not Gyllenhaal. He's no. Not a oh, my boy. God. Why is it blinking? I love him. He what plays is- Loki. What's Hiddleston. It? Hiddleston. Yeah. I, I was like Henderson. <laughs> yeah. He. She dated Tom Hiddleston. So it's either that's a weird relationship. So I it's feel either like. one of they, them where it was like you're writing me, um, and you want closure, but like, f you, kind of like I'm not gonna give you it. Um, I don't know. I feel like I understand where somebody like Taylor Swift comes from, where it's like I want because Taylor Swift. I mean, she's the kind of artist that puts her emotions on paper, you know, like that. That's how she I feel. And I don't know her, but it it seems like that's how she creatively moves past things like she puts everything into her art or her creativity. Yeah, Because I don't think she has feelings for Jake Gyllenhaal or tom hiddleston or harry Styles, but even if you if you know the story of like how she came up with midnights where it was like it was just a bunch of sleepless nights and like thoughts racing around her head and she just put it to paper that's the like that that's the process that somebody who is a innately creative person does is like this is how i move past things and this is how i process things is like i put it all into my art and my creativity i just think like uh, I'm a, I'm gonna tell you I'm a bit I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. Yes, huge Swifty T- to the point where me, my two sisters, my husband, his friend, and me are all going to the Eras tour together. <laughs> no, you're such a like I was like laser focused on getting those tickets when it came out when like the the pre pre sale the sign up to get into the pre sale was coming out to a point where like. I put everything aside for like a couple hours in Me the too. day. Me too. I was and also it was like, it was to a point where like I told my students I'm like I'm sorry like if I don't get these Taylor Swift tickets she's gonna divorce me <laughs> and, and um like some of the teachers caught wind of it and I still get made fun of 
Because <laughs> my wife is going to divorce me if I don't get these toilet seat I tickets. still get made fun of, like, oh, how's the, like, uh, one of the teacher that co-moderates National Honor Society with me, like, he just makes jokes all the time to the NHS kids about, like, oh, you know, he's a big Swifty and things like that. And I'm cool with it. I think it's really funny. But, like, you're you're the reason why that happened. <laughs> I just like I was trying to save my marriage. <laughs> I didn't even like threaten you or anything. But I knew. <laughs> I told him I was like. I just knew how have, sad you would be. I like I've never been to like one of her tours because mm-hmm. when she was like really big, like when I was younger and she was big, like I never like I my mom would give me tickets to go see like Jessica Simpson. Like <laughs> I knew one song and it was a cover. It's probably because those were cheap. Yeah. She's not as well, popular. I won. I won the tickets to Jessica Simpson. Oh, okay. We went to a Wolves game, and they were giving out like tickets. Jessica Simpson tickets. Yeah. You like put your name in a raffle, and you could win them. Mm-hmm. And then I went to like. Who have you seen? I've seen when I when I was younger. I saw uh, Hillary Duff. That was my first ever concert. Oh, cool. It was Hillary Duff? Yeah. And the her finale song was that song with her sister. Haley Duff. I don't know the song. The, um, oh my gosh. No, I'm, you're not going to know. I'm, I'm you're not, not going to get anything from me here. Oh, <laughs> anyway, it was really good. Was it Material Girls? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, something like that. It was really, it was a fun time. And then I went and saw Jessica Simpson. Mm-hmm. She do these boots are made for And walking. that was the only song I knew. Yeah. That was the only song I knew. And I was like, <laughs> why am I here? Why am I here? Mm-hmm. Well, I saw her at the Tinley Amphitheater. At least thing. it wasn't Ashley Simpson. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so she could put on that recording she of herself. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and I'm like, uh, she got I, so much crap for that lip syncing thing on SNL. But I don't blame her because SNL's acoustics are horrid. Yes, I've also read. So stuff everyone about should that. have a backup track. Mm-hmm. I was like, you should still sing, but like your backup track should be almost like fully, you know. You know who did like a really good SNL performance? Halsey. Halsey did a really, really good when SNL performance. When she did that painting? Yes. That was amazing. Um, She did a really good SNL performance and a band called the Alabama Shakes did a really good SNL performance. And it was like I one of those moments where like you sometimes like you watch those SNL performances and you're just like blown away by it i didn't know who the hell the alabama shakes were before that snl performance and now like i listen to that band a lot you know so you know like then i i didn't go to like another concert until i was like in high school and i became like really into like screamo and death metal (laughs) yeah so i went and saw escape the fate at like a bar in the city where i had to get like what bar do you know i don't know but it was like we went to like the it was to the, the metro? point we had to go with Not a pa- metro, we had to go right? to a go with a parent and they had to put like x's on both of our hands so yeah. people would know like we could not be served alcohol and then i went to another like kind of like a club kind of thing to see motionless and white and a bunch of other bands it was like an all-day thing and then i went and saw um Oh, this is embarrassing because yeah, I like I went and saw Never Shout Never, and that's not even Screamo. I don't know who they are. Hey, yeah, you do. Do I? Yeah, you know Never Shout Never. I've, what do they? What's their like uh, top song? They sing like all those like always with the ukulele. 
Always with the ukulele. Yeah. I cannot tell you a single. You'll have to play it for I'm me later. I'm in trouble. I'm an addict. I'm addicted to this girl. Got my heart tied in a knot and my stomach in a whirl. Nope. I got nothing. I, yes, you do. Because Meeks was when playing I, Never Shout Never. Hear- Meeks was playing Never <laughs> Shout Never when he was streams? having an emo night. And I said, Never Shout Never oh. is not emo. I don't know why he's putting this on. I appreciate him. you giving Meeks a shout out. If you um, are listening to this and you want a good like Twitch stream, <gasps> my buddy, I, I remember like, buddy Meeks. I have like eidetic memory. Anyway. And then I went and saw, I saw my chem at the Aragon Ballroom. Okay. And then what I, era of Danger Days era? My Danger Cam- Days. Okay. Right before they... Right before they split. Yeah, right before they split. And then I went to Warped Tour, and I saw Black Veil Brides, um, Destroy Rebuild Until God Shows, or abbreviation, Drugs. Keep going. And then I saw <laughs> like a bunch of other bands too while I was there. But it was like I was there to see Black. There's like an entire sub. I'm very familiar with the subculture of like indie pop punk bands because my ex used to be like I'm she not, may still be. I don't know. I'm not. But I was used not. Used to be really really I was into, not into pop punk. I was into like screamo. It was different. But is that pop screamo or is it just screamo? Well, Motionless and White was just screamo. Uh-huh. Save the Fates just screamo. Okay. Like uh, Blackfell Brides, eh, kind of mainstream. Like Blackfell Brides was more mainstream because they had. I've heard of Blackfell Brides because Andy Bursack was just like attractive, and so then you you get a lot of like young girls who are there not for the music so much as for the boy. I was there for the music. Loved it. Loved it obsessed obsessed when he started changing his look and sound i kind of like also i think i my music taste has evolved over time like i still enjoy those same songs like you put on those songs i was listening to like 10 years ago i'm still into them it's just like my music taste has evolved and the way i present myself has evolved i don't have that jet black hair with like the bit like the very high like side part that goes like across rar rar hair yeah and i'm like i never was like 2010 i never was like that bad yeah but i did straighten the crap out of my hair and like that was wanted i wanted to be so like so that was like our seventh grade through like senior year of high school that was that was a um, cultural thing for teenagers. Well, like, we had like the the hair extension clips that were like um, black and white. Like, what were the coon tail? Like the raccoon, raccoon tails. tails. Yeah, had those like little. Oh, clips. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, about. I yeah. like, but me and my friend um, Cameron, we were like really like we did everything together. Um. And we just did so, like all of that, like all these concerts where my mom didn't know where the heck I was going. Her mom didn't know where the heck we were going. We were just like, can you drop us off here? And they were like, yeah, sure. And we went to so many concerts that, oh my goodness, we were so young. Like we shouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. Just us. Like oh, yeah. there was a bunch of like adult, like adults. And I was like, I'm glad that the bands I was into like didn't take advantage of the fact that we were young. And like I would have, I would have done anything 
like a lot of those indie bands get yeah you get they like get, uh, you hear like stories mm-hmm. and i'm like i'm so glad i picked the right bands to follow because but like motionless and white they're still like going they're going strong i still follow them on facebook i'm still friends with like a former member of black fellow brides on not black fellow brides um motionless and white on facebook he now owns like a coffee shop slash oddity store like he's no longer in the band he's pretty cool he was he like he was the one where i was like hard eyes mm-hmm. and i was we like, just we just watched turning red the other day i understand yeah like i was <laughs> i was thinking about like fan like fangirls for boy bands i or love like, but it oh was a different God. era for us than it's like motion uh, not motion um turning red that was the movie takes place in 2002 so it's more like in sync backstreet boys-esque boy band oh, but i would say even i could relate with the obsession over like one direction were you obsessed with one yes. Direction? <laughs> <laughs> but okay so i did this thing where like because i was really into screamo bands at the time one direction was coming out that my younger sister was really into one direction i was like i don't like one direction but then i'm secretly like oh such a freaking pop yeah you didn't want to admit that you liked one direction i, I didn't want to admit you're that like I was louise like, from uh bob's burgers i didn't with- want to admit it and now i'm like oh i love harry styles like harry styles is the best i was like man like i listen to all i don't listen to louis or zane or um liam's like solo stuff but i'll listen to harry and niles solo stuff well, Harry is the breakout. I know, but have you heard Slow Hands by Niall Horan? Such good. Mm-hmm. Slow hands. Yeah, I know. Sweat dripping off that dirty laundry. I like that song a lot. Yeah. And he does another song where it's a duet with Marin Morris. It's so good. Okay. I'm ready to get into this movie. I got <laughs> way off topic. <laughs> what did we even start talking about? I don't know. That- Oh, you were, I was humming the Bruno Mars song and then you went on a whole like history of the Miley Cyrus's past relationships. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think I can appreciate like going back, closing our tabs a bit. I think I don't I can even appreciate, know what tabs I opened. I can appreciate when artists are not as negative with talking about past relationships like i do really like the I, fact that I, ariana grande was like okay i can appreciate i know uh, what every one of these relationships has done for me i definitely remember looking back at l- it fondly. like having um anthony listen to one taylor swift song where he didn't like it which He's, one it was the one um i i bet you think about me Oh, because I you told me the context of that song was about Jake Gyllenhaal and the relationship that Jake Gyllenhaal and her had, where it was like it didn't seem like they were you the way you made it just to and you they are were an not, expert, I suppose. They're, but. they're not they were not compatible from the very beginning. the The problem was that Jake Gyllenhaal was a grown ass man. Yes, and she was not even old enough to drink. Yes, and, and but the way so, she was like in love with him, and he was like. Dating, dating not, someone. The way you, know you made mean? it, to, the way you described it to me, didn't seem, in my perspective, that Jake Gyllenhaal did really anything 
wrong and then got like slandered in the I, song. I, honestly, though, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal did do something wrong. He dated Taylor Swift. No, he dated a woman that was v- too young for him. Like he's this man still does the same stuff. It's the same thing Leonardo DiCaprio does. They date women who are significantly younger than they are. Mm. And it's to manipulate. Oh, sure. Like it is a manipulation tactic. Everyone is a bad person. I'm like, I love Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, but I can recognize like his dating history is problematic. The fact that he only dates women until they turn 25 and then he dumps them. And it's literally like a pattern. Like he does not want to date older women. And that's disturbing. That's disturbing. Like date people you're in a crew where everyone's a bad person. I'm like, <laughs> God, stop being concrete Halloween over here. <laughs> But it's concrete Halloween. He skates with the monster mask on because he hates his head and it's, it's hard, hard to, to do. do. Anyway, <laughs> I just think that and especially the song that um perfect segue into the last little bit of songs, right? Demi Lovato put out that song 29 mm-hmm. that slandered Wilmer Valderrama. Is it slander though? Is it lying? No, because like, okay, so it like as it, as a he, government teacher, we some, talk about slander. He put out something after she put out the song, to like to say like, oh, she was a cons- it was a consensual relationship. It was like she was seventeen years old. Mm-hmm. I was like, you were like thirty years old. Like that's gross. Like that's gross. Yeah, I was like, you knew exactly what you were doing. You manipulated her. And in the song, it says, I thought it was a teenage dream. Do but think, it wasn't. Do you think that these people it wasn't know her. that they're being manipulative? Or do you think they're just, you know, thinking with uh, their. But isn't that manipulate? Like, they. Selfishness, maybe. Like, Manipula- these men go after women who are easy to prey on. Sure. And it's young women who, but I, who I don't, know. don't have there, a lot of experience it, with love. And like when men love bomb you, like. Do you, but do you think it's like intentional to a point where it's like these people are like, yes, I am being manipulative, but I well, don't care. Well, Wilderam, whatever his name, he has only dated women who are like significantly long, younger than him. He has mm-hmm. the same pattern. He did the same thing with Lindsay Lohan. Okay. Like it's a pattern. After a certain point. Like, it's a pattern. Like, you're consciously doing this. You're consciously picking younger women. Women who, like, they're not, like, thinking about the fact that, like, this could be abuse. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have I picked someone who didn't love bomb me. He did the opposite. Me? Uh, yeah. I was, he did the opposite of love bombing. Well, just being like a genuine human no, being. No, he made me pay for things. <laughs> <laughs> he never bought me dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So I, I, in he the infancy ignored of me our, for like a week after we talked for the first time. Yeah, I still don't know why I did that. I don't know. That no, was no, a, you did the opposite. I of, forgot that I did that. You did the opposite of love bomb. You ignored me. <laughs> <laughs> Like the, the we're infancy, married now, so it's the, okay. The infancy of our relationship, like okay, yeah, we met at a party, and then we met, we talked online for a little while, and then you ghosted me. I ghosted you, 
and I don't know why. And I didn't allow I did him. That. I didn't allow him to ghost me. Maybe I just forgot. I was like, bitch. <laughs> maybe I just forgot like that I was talking to you at that moment. And this or maybe is a- I just thought the conversation just naturally died. And this man, this man was mad at me because I unmatched him. We met on a dating app yeah. at first. And I ignored him apparently, but I deleted the app. Like I was like, I'm done with dating apps. I'm going to meet someone the old fashioned way. I, okay. Yeah. And then I asked you to go on a date to get a cheeseburger. And I just deleted and the app. And then you never <laughs> responded. And so I said, okay, maybe that's not the right approach. Um, and then I got like fed up with dating apps because. I'm going to meet someone the old fashioned way. There was one situation in which like, I felt like, I was talking to this person on, not you. Um, I was talking this before we met. I was talking to this person on a dating app and we were, we had um, been having a good conversation. And then all of a sudden, same thing happens. I get like unmatched, but then she found me on face, similar to what you did, found me on Facebook. And then we exchanged numbers. And I was like, Oh, if she put in the effort of finding me outside of the dating app, then that means like she's still interested. So I had been trying for this one girl that was not pre um the, i've been trying to like get like set up a date but like every time i tried to set something up there was an excuse so at a point i was just like okay i'm done trying and it was after that that i stopped using dating apps because i was like i'm sick of it and i didn't even like note i didn't even realize that anthony was like from a date from the dating app until like he brought it up he's no like, i recognize you do you think you know me before this time not yet <laughs> i i recognized you from the dating app and i was yes and then mm-hmm. the rest is history we ended up going to the dining center he didn't pay for a date between the two of us for a while we always would eat at the dining well center. i didn't have a car so we couldn't go anywhere you could have taken me to windy city wieners <laughs> or dp dough dp dough i'm gonna tell you i went on one date to dp dough um, okay so for those of you who don't know dp dough was a local establishment it, it, where we went to school it, they make a calzone. It, it was a calzone place anyway very good a guy took me to dp dough for a date and he was a little bit older than me he was like a senior in college and i was just a baby freshman so this is before i even met you it's my first year i ghosted him oh i feel so bad about it but like he was cuter in his pictures and he was in person. I let him buy me a calzone and then I was like, adios. But like, okay, so there are, and, and we're going to get on with the movie in a minute. Yeah. But l- final little word in our BSing of I'm like the beginning not, of the I'm podcast. I'm like not shallow. But we, like, are, we are watching How I Met Your Mother and we're both re-watching the series for the first time since high we school. Wa- yeah, since we watched and it And so school. we're looking at the series in like a different context in a different light, identifying with different characters. And you know... I see some stuff that my friends that are single go through with dating. And then I watch that show about like being in your 20s and dating. And I'm like, man, I am so freaking happy like, that what? I don't have to deal with that. Ted's like in his 30s and dating. And it's like, oh, my God, if I was in my 30s and dating, I'd be like, so. One of my friends said something to me. Um, we got lucky. And I think yeah. that's. One of my friends who's single Crazy. said something to me. It's like at a certain point in your 20s when you're still dating, you have to be prepared to be a stepdad too. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, that's yeah, what that's my true. Sis- that's what my sister said. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have an, excuse me, everybody. I have an older sister who's like 30. And she's like, well, she's like, I'm at this point where it's like, 
I can't be surprised if the man I am with has a child. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you always have to be prepared to be a stepmom because you could be put in that role. And actually, right now, she's casually seeing someone and he does have a child. Yeah, I'm so glad we don't have to deal with that. I'm like, like ah! awkward dating. Like, we did ours when we were supposed to be awkward dating but we we were also living like across the street from one another at different dorms so we were seeing each other every night and you know we got very close very fast but we had that we were seeing yeah. seeing each other every night and hanging out with each other and getting to know one another going out to the dining center and things like that i was like so audience would you like to know how soon after we started dating that we were saying i love you it was three months. It was like three months. months. Yeah. Three yeah. months we said I love you. And s- uh, seven years later we got married. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm, it happens. Someone, some might say, hmm, seven years. That's too long. I said, after five years, if you don't put a rock on this finger, I'm outie. And he did put a rock on it, but he made me wait two years to get but married. But it's also just one of those things. Like, do you do you believe in like being in the right place at the right time? Because like if... If some, I had mentioned this to you the other day, if I had done something differently that night that we met each other I at think that about party, the craziness. If of, I had drank one more shot than I was I supposed think about to, the the odds of I rushed. We both rushed in our like sophomore year. We would if we decided not to rush, and we wouldn't have met. Mm-hmm. If we had rushed our freshman year, we might have never but met. But even like I'm thinking about like. Not an hour before we were in the same place at the same time. I was in my dorm and playing a drinking game with my friends. And um, I'm, I was thinking about, I'm like, if I had, you know, done something differently to where I had taken one or two more shots than I did that night, I might not have made it to that party, you know? Or if I had, I don't know, been... Uh, in the backyard or something at at the time or if i just decided i didn't want to go i don't know there was like there's a lot of like little nuances of being in the right place and at the right time i what would have happened because i went to that party because a guy on my floor was in the fraternity that you were in and i was going to meet him or there's like but a, he was there's like a to, butterfly effect and of he those was late coming too. to the party and i was like i think about that there's like a butterfly effect up, of those of those things too where it's like i remember i was like we were on our way to the party and we were going downstairs and some the person that i was with at the time because we went into the party as a group we were in the dorms and somebody said like hey, I'm going to go stop at the vending machine and grab a a soda for like a chaser or something. Like, do you want to come with? And I said, no. And we left that person to go to the party. What if I had stayed with that person to go get the soda? Like, there could have been a domino effect of events that would have led me to not being in the same place at the same time at that moment. And I feel like as we're watching How I Met Your Mother and like we're getting all like the stuff that had to like go into place for ted to meet the mother i'm like our life was kind of like that like there had to be everything had to go right for us to meet at the time that we met Mm -hmm. if i had never had that experience with the dating app then i might not have 
had the confidence to be like, okay, I'm done with the dating app. Like I'm done trying to find, cause that was that point. I was like, I'm done trying to find somebody to be with. If it just happens, it happens. You know, and same thing. I said, it was literally I don't like that. I'm like, moment. I don't want to, I don't want to go on dating apps anymore. I'm done with it. I just want to meet someone the old fashioned way. Yeah. I, it's crazy. It's insane. And now we're married. Yeah. You know, we're married. it happens like that. And now crazy. we're married. Crazy. Okay. Okay. Let's why get don't we, into this. Yeah, Thirty-five minutes in. Why don't we? Why don't we get into it? If you've been bearing with us for that long, like I appreciate it. You've been <laughs> a trooper. But <laughs> um, why don't we get into it? Um, and we're gonna get into spoiler territory. It's a relatively new movie, so um, we're going to be reviewing the movie Sick, um, Peacock original movie um, that came out uh, as of this recording three days ago but as of the release of this uh podcast a couple weeks back so i would just like to point out that um now i get to pick two movies in a row because i did not pick this movie anthony did and he got to pick the last movie i really movie. wanted to see this movie because and we're gonna get into spoiler territory so if you haven't seen the movie my suggestion it's a 85 minute banger you can watch it very quickly um and it's very fast paced too so um, if you haven't seen the movie, my suggestion would be to go watch the movie, make the decisions for yourself on if you like it or not, and then come back and listen to our spoilery discussion of the podcast. So the movie that we are reviewing today is uh, 2023's Sick, directed by uh, John Hyams and written by, and this is what really attracted me to the movie, uh, written by Kevin Williamson of Scream fame. I think he wrote the first four Scream movies. Now, this is a horror movie written by Kevin Williamson, but without Wes Craven. Um, and Kevin Williamson, he I, he's done a bunch of different things in the past. Um, if we're looking at his uh, quick Wikipedia page, Kevin Williamson um, created the uh, teen drama series Dawson's Creek from 1998 to 2003. Um, he created the supernatural CW drama series, The Vampire Diaries. That's that's like your cup of tea right there, <laughs> The Vampire Diaries. Um, the Fox crime thriller, The Following. He, he's a TV guy, but he, he does some horror movies and things like that. But he also wrote screenplays for I Know What You Did Last Summer, The Faculty, and a movie called Cursed from 2005, which is a werewolf movie. It's very fun. Um, so Kevin Williamson kind of dipping his feet back into... The world of um, the world of horror movies. So it was really interesting when I heard that this movie was um, coming out because it really was somewhat secretive. There wasn't a lot of like hype. There wasn't a lot of marketing behind this movie. It's a Peacock streaming original, so there wasn't a lot of um, information out. Trailer for this movie came out six days before the movie released, and all I heard was that there were there was buzz online about it just being like really fun and um and good so i i told brie about the movie a couple days ago and i was like you know i heard it's decent um i kind of want to check it out doesn't have a really long run time and it's a slasher movie so i'm sure we'll we'll enjoy it um overall like before we even dive deep into it what are your thoughts it was okay yeah i thought it was okay it, I thought it was, the same thing. It was good. Did I need it? No. I don't think I we, have some critiques of the movie. I don't think it was like a movie like 
Scream was a reinvention of the horror franchise, and Scream is like a very meta commentary on the state of horror. This, I think, was... Um, it was almost like a writing exercise. It felt like I was, I, I felt like it was Kevin Williamson had a good idea about how do we take COVID and make it scarier than it already is? And how do we apply a horror movie to COVID? Um, and I think this starts off as a writing exercise, but grows into something that you can make into a movie, you know, and I'm, I would be very eager to see what the screenplay looks like for this movie because, there's not a lot of dialogue. I, I have to say, my big critique about movies and TV shows that highlight COVID, I was like, I would prefer if you didn't. I'm going to start. I, I would prefer if we never talked about it. I, I think that there's a good way of doing it and a bad way of doing it. And if I'm going to start our, rev- uh, our review of this movie, um, giving a a large critique. The thing that I disliked the most was the COVID stuff in the movie. Um, I, I asked you this, like how, how you feel about movies and TV shows that are making these overt references to COVID. It was already a nightmare. I don't need you to like make it scarier. Right. Yeah. I, it was already horrible. I think that there's a good way of doing it and a bad way of doing it. When we watched host not too long ago, like, yes, this is a movie that was filmed during quarantine and does make subtle references to lockdown and but everything. But it's not like COVID isn't the bad guy here. It, well, I don't think in this, co- well, COVID is the bad guy, but it's not the center of the movie. You know what I mean? Where um, Glass Onion did the same thing. Like there's references to lockdown and COVID and taking people's temperatures and wearing masks and everything in glass onion but it's not the center of the movie it's not the thing that the movie like clings to and we were about halfway in the movie and i told brie i was sitting there and i was saying did we need covid for this movie or like do we need the backdrop of going into quarantine and lockdown and all the overt we references for but the we payoff didn't know. in the end yes we didn't know what the payoff was going to be because I, I i said it um when we watched you know, like it, if, if there isn't unless, a payoff yeah it, the covid doesn't make any sense in this movie yes i i said unless it's going to come back and have something to do with the rest of the movie then there's no reason 45 minutes into this movie that covid needed to be such a big deal here it does come back in a big way and it is kind of the thing that drives the motivations for the movie um I don't know. I, I, I get very, very, very... Cri- and this isn't a bad movie. I get very, very critical of the use of COVID. Because like you said, it was already like a horrific thing that happened. Like people a died. ton of people died. People died. Like we were... Like a lot of people People are got still to- feeling like negative ramifications like, because people, of COVID. Like depression. Had, yeah. Like people like have lost their jobs like there it was horrible there the horror of covid already happened so when you're using covid as a plot device to emphasize horror i don't think it hits the right way because like this is something that we have all recently gone through together so i think that 
maybe it's not the right decision to make a horror movie about COVID. Like, COVID is still a thing. We're not we're not done with it. The people are still dying from COVID. And people like we still test for it. We still test yeah, for it at it, school. It's just that we've learned to kind of live with it a little bit. So, could we have made this movie? 10, 15 years down the line and had a different generation look at this movie and say, okay, that's scary and that makes sense. Or is it too, like, do you think it's too soon to have a horror movie that is based in, in COVID? Like, what do you think about that? Um, d- does it come off as insensitive? No, I don't think it comes off as insensitive. I think that it just comes off in poor taste. I feel like the ending... Like the the payoff is in poor taste. I agree. And it's because like actual people died from this. Actual families were like torn apart and hurt by this. And like we're making a almost whole, making a joke out of it. We're making a joke yeah. out of the fact that like people died from COVID and like families were left in shambles and ruins like young people died Mm -hmm. and like parents are having to deal with that grief this kind of movie explores like what happens when parental grief goes too far yes what happens when familial grief goes too far and this is the unfortunate reality is like a whole family was like killed i mean the the girls killed them in self-defense but like a whole family died like a whole family and it was but because do you, they do you also think that it's the- a it, this is kind of like a commentary on because I also maybe and I don't know if this is the way that Williamson wanted the movie to be perceived, but I also thought it was kind of a shot at everybody's uh, the term COVID crazy or everybody being so um, rap like at the be- so the movie takes place in 2020 like right when things started to shut down. And we, I mean, we remember what we were doing at that moment. Like, we didn't know what COVID was. And albeit, like, I wasn't too concerned about it. But there's, like, little nuances in the movie. We didn't do Easter. We did Remember we didn't that? Do, yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. that broke our hearts that we didn't get to spend any time with our family. It broke my mom's heart. Because I, I remember my mom wanted it to get we together. We played it safe. But, but like, our I families mean, played it safe. Like... We we had a very small pot. Like I hung out with one of my friends like almost every day, but she didn't hang out with anybody else. Like we were I part go, of like a I would pod. go hang out with my friends, but we would be outside at a bond. Like we would have a bonfire, and, and we would make sure to sit like six feet. Yes, but it's like it was a really it was really tough. I remember it was my friend. Um, she lived on her own. And she wasn't even visiting her parents at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was like she was part of my pod because we were we were interacting every day. And then I was interacting with you. So it was like the three of us were a pod. Uh, and it was like, oh, I just hope I don't get it. I was like once the we, lock- we, we went a long time. One time once the lockdown was over is when I got. COVID. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But going back to what I was saying, like, I don't know if Williamson wanted the movie to be perceived about like this, but I felt like it was almost a shot at how concerned people were at COVID. Like the craziness, like, I guess I say craziness, not as a 
um, a, a shot at anybody, but, but as guess- a way that maybe Williamson was trying to have the movie perceived is that this family at the end of the movie that the payoff like we'll get to is that the family was contact tracing what led to their son getting COVID and dying. Now, like the con, I I felt like it was almost like Williamson saying everybody was going way too crazy with being trying to be safe or contact tracing or, and I don't think that's uh, uh, the, the, I don't want to be around you because you're coughing. I don't want to be around you because you're um, being too, you're playing it too safe. I felt like it was Williamson maybe taking a shot at everybody who what played it under safe as well with COVID, like the people that were having parties during that time or refusing to uh, abide by the mask regulations and the lockdowns. I just like when your movie could be perceived by people as making fun of like mm-hmm. people being safe during the COVID time. I think that's when you need to do some self-reflection and think, was this movie necessary? Is it saying what I want to say? I think the more I talk about this movie and reflect on it, the less I like it. It's Be- in poor taste. Yeah. And I, I don't think there are gr- at, for a horror film. There are things about this movie that are scary. There are things about this movie that are very creative and well shot and well directed. But I I think the commentary that the movie was playing at in, in the sense of like this is this is a uh almost like a satire on if people playing it too safe and people not playing it safe enough. Because we get a little bit of making fun of both. Yeah. A little bit. But it's kind of like um, is it should we be making fun of people who played it really no, safe? No, because it's so freaking divisive that i mean if you remember 2020 i remember uh, i remember i there's there's a divisiveness to it like going to the grocery store and a guy yelled at me because i didn't go the right way i didn't go the right way but there was no one in the aisle yeah like there was no one in the aisle at all like he wasn't even in the aisle and I had gone down. The- I, I love your reaction to the dude. You're just like, stop talking to me. <laughs> you you said, stop talking to me. <laughs> but I just remember being like, you weren't even in the aisle. I, I was, was literally wandering somewhere. I was else. like, no, the guy wasn't even in the aisle. I literally went down to grab something really quick. And I was like, I didn't want to go down another aisle to go all the way back up because it was at the end of the aisle. And there was nobody around. And there was no the one time. around me. I was mm-hmm. wearing a mask. I'm like, and then this guy's like, there's an old dude. It was an old guy. He was like in a hazmat suit. He, I mean, he was like very, very protected. Um, and, but, but any like, um, but I remember like I, t- I, I, he called me like a name. I forgot what he called. He called you. me a name. So I went to the store staff. Yeah, we went to the staff and we pointed him out and we're like, this guy's yeah. being like super aggressive. And they said to they they shoppers. already are aware of him. Yep. He and already had complaints he already against him. like is bothering people like we were just trying to get our stuff and leave mm-hmm. like and I'm not I'm not going to complain but did you want me to go all the way back around the store to go up one aisle to get something at the end of the aisle and I was already at the end yeah I was like I was just popping in grabbing but it I, I, the thing that I was trying to get at is that when you are making a movie about something that is still so fresh to us and to, to a lot of people and people suffered for it and it's just like a really horrific thing that happened and you're almost making a joke at both sides 
it's in poor taste and it's so divisive to a point where I, in 2020, 2021, the conversation of mask mandates, vaccine mandates, the lockdown, whether it's in uh, against individual liberties and things like that. I mean, it got heated and it got it got bad to a point where like people don't didn't want to be around each other if like we we looked at people differently if they didn't wear a mask. We looked at people differently if they were uh, openly, you know, going against this thing that would have uh, helped public safety. I, I have to think even last year we got married last year and um we cut off entire parts of our family because they didn't attend our wedding because they wouldn't put a mask on because we had people who because had their, their immune- politics overshadowed family and yeah, like we had i one it was of my like it wasn't a large ask it was like if you're not vaccinated we kindly ask that you respect our decision and you just wear a mask like that that's all we asked and and you know why because even though, like, we're at the tail end of that, like, we were having an event where over 100 people were invited. We just want to make sure that, like, if because there were kids invited, because there were old people invited. And we were operating on good faith. So, like, you didn't have to supply proof. proof. We didn't You could have just proof. lied about it. <laughs> like, and I wouldn't have questioned it at all. But the fact that you were just, you had, like the side of the family had to make it known that we are so opposed to the mask thing and the vaccinations that we're willing to not come. I like, if you just lied to me and you just didn't say anything and I didn't question it, it would have been fine. But I think what really, what we're in a different, completely different conversation. I know, but what, what really it's about is, this is still affecting people. Like yes. it, it's even torn a fart up a fart. A fart. <laughs> a fart. I tore a fart. <laughs> just, Earlier, just now. It yeah. was terrible. <laughs> anyway, um, it tore apart like our own. Like we will have nothing to do with these people. So, so like it's still affecting people to this day. So I think this movie was made too early. I do think it was made too early. I think that if you had waited maybe 10, 15 years to make a horror movie about COVID where there's an entire generation of people that don't remember experiencing covid or um this similarly to how um like this is a this is a collective trauma like every generation goes through uh i've been through a, enough. a tragic event i've been through you know? enough i had to deal with 9 11 the 2008 like we cri- were too young for crisis. 9/11. i don't think we were old enough for nine i think 9 11 was our parents generation remember 9-11 i remember a little bit of 9-11 but not enough to where it was like super duper like it affected me covid i think is our generation's tragedy every generation goes through one so it's like you don't make a a, a almost satire commentary horror film on something that just happened two years ago I don't know it that that makes me look at the movie in a much more negative light and I love me some Kevin Williamson but the more I talk about the movie and the more I reflect on like, uh, maybe it wasn't the maybe best. it wasn't the best decision to make a COVID related horror movie that plays comedically a little bit in, in some areas and also 
is a commentary on how both basically both sides of the people that played it very safe and the people that didn't play it safe are stupid and like did too much. I agree to a certain extent. I do think that people maybe did too much, but if we're empathizing and we're, we're taking a look at like the larger aspects of, of this thing that we all experienced I don't know, like millions of people died. So is it in poor taste to make jokes right now? What does South Park say? When a tra- It takes 22 years for a tragedy to become funny. Even then, it's still not Even that then, funny. Yeah, <laughs> like we still don't make 9-11 jokes. Because it's not, they're not funny. Like right, people, they're in poor taste. People like we died were just, We were just talking about that with my politics class. We're talking about the First Amendment. And we're saying like, yeah, you can say whatever you want to a certain extent. Like you can say vulgar, you can say obscene or offensive jokes, but and you're not going to get arrested for it. But you have to deal with other people's reactions to the things that you said and the court of public opinion. So, like, yeah, I can make a 9-11 joke, but people are going to look at me differently if I do that, right? Like, people are going to have a negative reaction to it, and we have to deal with that reaction to whatever kind of commentary we're giving. It's the same thing here. It's like, yeah, we can make a horror movie that is strongly related to COVID and has this satire and commentary about each side playing it different ways, but... You got to deal with people's reactions to it. Like, I think this is a fair critique of this movie for as creative as it is in certain regards that the overlying thing about this movie and where it is is kind of in poor taste. Mm -hmm. So we um, begin this movie with kind of like this guy. He's at the grocery store. He's wearing his mask. He's walking around. He gets a text message about like... I forget, even forget the text message, but it's from an unknown number, and he's kind of just it's like, like, "What are you doing?" Or what something. are you doing? It's like, whatever. And um, he keeps he keeps shopping, and he gets like a text message where it's like, "You look really good from something about being behind him." So he turns around, gives that person a middle finger. It's like it's not cool to terrorize someone. Like, well, as we're doing this, though, there's and this is where I'm saying like it's almost like a satire of things because. We're in early early April of 2020 when things are just starting to shut down across the country. And we open in a grocery store in which somebody, this character is trying to look for toilet paper and can't find anything. Yeah. And people are uh, being very rude in the stores about like grabbing things and um there's a scene, there's a little nuance in there about how somebody coughs in line and everyone's wearing a mask. And, and, and there's like a, oh, like this person is now like, pers- what is this phrase? Persona non grata. Did I say it? I don't correct? know. Persona non grata. Um, like nobody wants to be around this person because they coughed. And do you think that that was a really that was a very real thing that happened at that time period? Well, yeah, I still look at people when they cough and I'm like, ooh. Sometimes I wish that we <laughs> go back to masks, like selfishly, because I'm like, it was for me being kind of an introvert. It was nice to not have to um, interact with people <laughs> as much. I guess 
I don't know. I say that selfishly. You could still wear a mask anywhere you want. People yeah. still wear masks. Everywhere. Yeah, I know that. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. But when it was like forced and we had to do it and I was at work and we would have to do it, it was nice to not have to like shave. <laughs> Make small talk. Make small talk. Um, nobody knew like what was going on I'm under that mask. I'm thankful that he doesn't wear a mask at work anymore because he shaves now. Thank God. Yeah, I don't like. I would go like weeks. I don't like shaving. fuzzy lip, Anthony. Mm-hmm. I like, and I I do not grow facial hair very well. No, it's like wiry, horrible hurts on his upper lip and his chin, and nothing anywhere else. And I'm like, <laughs> get this off of you, get it off. Um, anyway, this like fit like masked figure follows this guy home. Um, they get into like a like a battle like the person who is trying to kill him is like not overpowering him easily there's something cool about this movie where i feel like the chains are off of kevin williamson to an extent where he's writing this movie and i with we we talked about how there's a lot of scream in this movie yes because in scream like our villain is a regular dude like people are able to fight back are able to overpower the regular smuggler dude. In Scream dude. One, when Stu Mocker is in that suit, when um, Matthew Lillard's character is in that costume, and he's being like ragdolled by Sidney Prescott, like it's almost a slapstick comedy on how how beat up this killer gets. We see a lot of that in this movie. The whole intro with texting and using the phones to like mess with somebody. Very scream. That's very scream. Yeah, um, um, even like the way that the movie is shot to an extent, and I know this probably isn't like an influence of Williamson because the writer doesn't get to dictate how the cinematography goes in the movie. But the cinematographer could be ex- inspired by the inspired writer. by the writer. Yeah. Um. So like even the cinematography is very much like Scream to a point where. If you think back to that opening scene with Drew Barrymore in the first Scream, it's quiet, it's very intense, and it's very like the camera sticks with our character. And we get a lot of that in this movie. It's very, I, I you're going to hate me for saying this. Mm-hmm. It's very much Paul Thomas Anderson-esque, <sighs> where <sighs> our camera continually follows our characters, and I... I told Brie this when we were watching it and one of the things that I think is really creative about Sick is that it feels like the camera is like free flowing with us where it's it's very clearly on a crane or even on a dolly or something but it sticks with our characters and it follows our characters as they're roaming through an apartment building or they're roaming through the the cabin or the lodge or whatever it is and even when our character turns a corner, normally you would get like a cut to a, a separate shot. But I I can really appreciate the creativity of, okay, we're just going to stick with these characters as they walk around this house, as they have their conversations. And it, it what really shines here, I think, is the cinematography, the direction and the staging of everything because there are times when the characters are walking through the house and the camera sticks with them and follows them and almost free flows and acts as this like 
omniscient presence and um, similar to I, I related it to Euphoria. Euphoria films the same way where it's like the camera is like swimming with us. It free flows and it just goes here and it goes there and it just sticks with us. Um, now, when it comes down to staging the movie, I think that's important too because you need to be able to, as a director, maneuver your camera but also hit your marks, make your actors hit their marks. So like there had to be an excessive amount of staging and planning that went along with making these shots happen when we're walking through the cabin and Parker is uh, walking through and we're following her from behind or we're following her from the foreground. And then you see the killer walk behind Mm -hmm. or something and there's there's a tremendous amount of staging and direction that goes along with having this vision for the shot that is going down and how the camera is going to be, but also working with the horror that comes with there's somebody lingering in the background at these times. So I, as I was being very critical of the movie for the COVID stuff, I can I think I can be very appreciative of how creative and how much effort it takes because. I always go back to it, and I said the same thing about Euphoria, that it's very easy to make a movie like this very generic and very, you know, uninspired. And for a director to take something like this and be very creative with it and make it a piece of art, it takes something special to do that. And I can appreciate it. Well, we have this kid gets like... Tyler... Tyler gets his like he makes it out of his fight but his mistake was thinking that he was safe and he gets his throat slit and then we cut to I hate the shaky cam stuff with the fight scene I I told that to you I'm like I've this is Michael Bay I have no clue what's happening in these fight scenes um Um, I I can't keep up with it we switched to the two girls we got Parker and we have Miri Miri and um like they're getting ready to go to isolate in this like cabin. And it turns out this cabin is like a wooden mansion. Like this place is huge. And um, it's very much like the two, the two girls are just like chilling They're They're wiping down everything and they go to go swimming. Like there, there's one thing they Parker, do in this movie that we looked at each other and like, we never did we that. We never stuff. took Clorox wipes to food. When yeah. We got, when we got so home. like pizza boxes and stuff like that. We I just, ne- I never even thought of doing that stuff. I know like people were doing that, but I was like, that's a little excessive. But, um, what, we get Parker's getting a text from a random number that she doesn't know, which we kind of have a feeling like that's the same person who went after Tyler. We don't know why they're going. They choose to go after Parker as of right now. And then she gets another text when they're just like chilling by the boardwalk. And they think maybe it's a DJ using. So a guy that Parker was hanging out with um, when he's using somebody else's phone. And it's kind of like really... I don't know, boring at this point when it's just the two girls. Like nothing, nothing starts to get start. Nothing gets started until DJ shows up. But like we've established that having a slow build is not necessarily a bad thing for these horror movies. I know. Because you're taking the time. This movie doesn't like we're not using that time to build anything. 
Yeah, we really don't get to know. We don't get to know the characters, the characters at all. Mm-hmm. Like you're not using the. You're not. There's a difference between having a slow build and having a slow build where you're like you're building up the characters. You're building up who these people Similarly are. Similarly to how X use their slow build to put us into the headspace of um gosh, what was her name? Um Maxine and Pearl, right? To get to know the who, two characters. who these characters are. Where this is just like it's a slow it's there. a slow build and we're doing nothing. We are learning nothing about these girls. They're just like living They're just living. They're they're, just, they're spending their day in quarantine making jokes about Fauci and or playing a drinking game about Anthony Fauci watching the news. That's where I felt maybe like the COVID stuff was like banging us over the head with it. And I think using COVID as a plot device subtly is great, but I felt like I don't know, man. This was a little too on the nose for yeah. me. Like the drinking games about Fauci and then watching CNN and watching the news broadcasts and things like that. It's like, okay, we get it. And we we're, have, we're in um, lockdown. Like we understand it. We have DJ. He he like shows up and that's where we really get started because DJ and Parker like Mary's like, I'm going to leave you guys and I'm going to go like give you guys a, a moment and dj and parker have like this kind of like fight and it's like he really likes her well there's also this like tense scene where it's like dj arrives they see somebody pulling up in a car and they're like who the hell is that and the person keeps knocking on the door like banging on the door and they're they're saying identify yourself like tell us who you are there's no answer and then somebody comes in through the back door and you're like that's scary, and we were were to assume that it's the stalker, the killer, whoever, but it's actually DJ. And I thought that that was a really intense scene. And you know what movie it reminded me of? There's a lot of like the first maybe half hour of this movie that reminded me of something, and I couldn't put my finger on it at first. But then, reflecting on it throughout the day, I thought about it. Um, do you remember the movie The Strangers? with Liv Tyler about the three people that um, it's a home invasion movie about three masked people that like terrorize this uh, couple and a house in the woods. You don't remember kind of the whole vibe of this there first was, like half hour. There was like that me of whole like year, year and a half period where people made a bunch of movies all about people in masks about doing, home invasion. Yeah. And doing home yeah, invasions. That's an era so, of horror. So like there's that I get there's that other movie with like the family where it was like the family always getting um, funny games. Which one, funny which, games is another home invasion where movie. it was Very like dark. the husband. The, like the boyfriend or something that's like behind the home invasion stuff the whole time. And it was like to get money out of this family. Oh, I don't know. Oh, we watched the, it together. We watched it together. It's yeah. a horror film. Yeah. And they're wearing like masks. And they're wearing masks. The Purge? No. Um, home invasion. It's like a like an old house. Like a big mansion-y house. And... Oh man, I kind of know what you're talking about, but I don't. I have like this like remember. vivid memory of watching you know this movie. In it? Is there anybody no. important in it? No, I don't remember who's in it. I, we go. Oh God, we're gonna get this yeah. off off camera. Okay, Make a note anyway. to yourself that we're we're gonna do some research on this. But I think that movie takes a lot of inspiration. Like Kevin Williamson, I think he takes a lot of inspiration from home invasion films, like The Strangers, because even though the way that The Strangers is shot 
in the lead up to the actual home invasion. Was it the brother? Never mind. Keep going. <laughs> lead up to the actual home invasion is uh, very similar to the strangers. And uh, there was a, like, there's a lot of different horror movies that I, I got glimpses of in this. You mentioned one as well. Um, you mentioned a movie that you found was very like uh, maybe an homage. It was paying homage to this classic horror movie. You said Friday the Thirteenth. I was like the under the ra- the raft. The raft scene that was like you have to be a really good swimmer. Now I have a theory about this movie. I. Th- my theory and he said much like scream was an homage to uh halloween this feels like it's taking some homage to friday the 13th i like almost feel classic like classic slasher yes. in the woods kind of feeling mm-hmm. i almost feel like kevin williamson like really wanted to write a friday the 13th movie but didn't want to be shackled by the lore of friday the 13th so you make something that is like eerily similar to friday the 13th but you don't have to deal with jason you don't have to deal with the camp you can just have a movie about a slasher in the woods and basically make it a friday like this is this is jason Voorhees following and chasing the final girl for the entire movie also there are two characters in this movie that are named pamela and jason So, yeah, I think it was a little bit of Friday the 13th. And I found this out the other day. Kevin Williamson is uh, has a part in writing this upcoming Friday the 13th prequel show. So <laughs> I really think this guy really wanted to write a Friday the 13th movie. Maybe. Uh, so DJ and Parker fight. He's really into her. But she was at a party and she was kissing this guy. And he was like, you were kissing this guy and you were with a bunch of people that I'm friends with. Like, you like you're trying to get to me and she's like mm, i'm gonna pass um chekhov's uh there's a lot of chekhov's things in this yeah. movie chekhov's party chekhov's and as horns. they're arguing we see behind them like the mass figure goes into the house mm-hmm. so i said ah in the background <laughs> ah that's what you wrote yeah <laughs> <laughs> um then there's music going off and dj's like very much like he pulls Parker to the side and he's like, there's someone in the house. I want you to get out of the house. And she's like, I need to get Mary. And he's like, I'll get Mary. You need to get out of the house. Mary. There, Mary. M- Mary. There is someone in here. Like, there's someone in the house. And he's like, where's your phone? She's like, I don't know. Someone took it. And he's like, my phone's gone too. Someone is in this house and they've taken I our gotta phones. say the character Kevin Williamson is very good that's about writing. Scary. He's like r- that's scary. Yes. Because you're in a house, you ha- both had your phones, and the only reason you know that there's someone in the house is because both of your phones are missing. Williamson is very good at writing smart characters. And characters that bypass tropes in horror movies like Sydney Prescott in Scream is a final girl who acknowledges that pretty much every horror movie that's come before Scream has the same final girl who, as Sydney puts it in the movie, she, uh, goes uh, goes through the uh, entire house before even getting to the front door. You know that they don't make the right decisions. 
Sydney is a character who bypasses all of those tropes. And I do feel like in this movie, in Sick, you have all of our characters that are playing it very smart and not making stupid decisions because they're in a horror movie. They're making decisions that real ass people might yeah, make, make if they were in the situation. He makes the decision. He's very caring. He gets Miri out, but he's like in a battle. Like he's fighting this person off. And he thinks he's like gotten the person down. He hit him over the head. He's trying to leave. And that's when he gets like he gets stabbed straight through his like body. With a was it a flagpole? Something along that line. Something like that, yeah. And it was very gory. It was very like I could see this happening because Well, I don't know about the flagpole stab. But I could I could see this happening where like it's not because you were stupid. Like it's not like you weren't like nothing that the character did was stupid. Like he got everybody out of the house. It's unfortunate. It was just unlucky for DJ because he had hit someone and they got got him. The thing uh, that got him was there was a tapestry on the wall and he pulls the tapestry to try to give some leverage to get up and the tapestry falls on him and he can't like shake it off and while he's underneath the tapestry that's when the killer takes advantage of this of dj not being able to see where anything's at so this is like a normal fight between like any two humans of the re- of regular size and it just happens he he lost the fight like unfortunate circumstances led it's, to him losing it's not the fight. like he was stupid in the decisions he made right it was just unfortunate um Mm -hmm. and then the girls like they're they're in the car they're trying to get away in the car the car the the killer stabbed the tires so they're they're driving on bald tires and they get stuck and here's where they're the thought process my thought process was like just stay in the car like what are they gonna do the killer picks up a rock and throws at the window i was like oh my god that's so smart you did say that i said that nobody's ever done that before i was like that's so smart like i would have just like stayed in the car it's locked no one's gonna get to me right but the killers on like x games mode has a rock throws it through the window mm-hmm. so they can't use the car you, to hide you sat there and you're like i don't think i've ever seen that in a slasher movie <laughs> like that's genius like yeah. you, how do you get the person out of the car you break the window like immediately um the girls like run um and like there's this whole scene they go up to the attic um Unfortunately for Mary, she gets like thrown out like a window, like She's pushed, like pu- pushed kind of. Yeah, and she falls to the ground, assumingly dead. Well, the way she fell, I was like, oh, oh my this, god, this girl's back so is broken. So Parker <laughs> is like in the kitchen, and there's this whole. Um, the next forty-five minutes of this movie, we're at about the halfway point, but the next forty-five minutes of this movie is basically one big chase. Well, scene. we think she's. We think that she gets it in this po- at this point. She um, rocks this killer's world. Oh my god! She she gets the upper hand. She gets the upper hand. She brains this guy like pretty much kills him. Smacks smacks him in the head of, and keeps repeatedly keeps doing it hit with until a, he what is, is it like a teapot or yeah, a coffee maker or something? something like that. But then we find out there's two killers. Yeah, that's what I told Bri. I'm like, there's there's definitely two guys. There's got to be multiple. And of this these guys. killer, this is where we begin like the longest chase scene of. This is the about movie, a 40 minute chase where scene. Where 
Like which is it it plays out very well and it's executed very well. It maintains the tension of the movie and I, I don't I think it's like I said I want to say that this movie started out as a writing exercise. Can I make a, a horror movie about COVID or can I make a 45 minute long chase scene? And um and I make thought, it good and the chase entertaining. scene was good because um, after it, it she ke- bro- it keeps building after like, she tension. brains that guy she the other killer is too obsessed with the fact that this the other person's dead she goes out to see mary she says mary you got to pretend mary you got to pretend that you're dead and she kind of throws a rock he's about to figure out that she's not dead so uh parker throws a rock and we begin this chase scene where he chases her on the raft underneath the raft she gets away then they're chasing her through the woods and then it's really it's really hard for neighbor. us as people commentate commenting on the movie to be like every single aspect of this chase scene we have to break it down it's gonna be, it's very difficult it's, to do that it's very difficult it's all she gets to her neighbor's house like that's a couple miles away the killer kills the neighbor like and then we continue this chase until she finally gets to this lady's car yeah, and she, i don't have a lot of notes for yeah, this movie because goes, it, uh, the whole like last 45 minutes is just straight action it's an action yeah sequence. i wrote chasing this long and we get to where she's at a um the, she hits the killer and there's a car coming and she's like please let me in there's someone trying to kill me and the woman's like where's your mask and she's like you, you need to wear a mask and like the, the woman's like okay put on this mask I have a mask for you. She gets into the car and she's like, you got to go, go, go. And the woman's not moving the car. And the then Parker's like, this mask smells funny. And then we hear the chloroform. Like, that's the chloroform. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, the lady is part of this group too. Which makes sense because why is this person driving in like this destitute area right, in the middle right. of the night? Um, the writing of this movie isn't bad. And that's then, not like, I don't think that's what we were trying we to say. this is where we get to the ridiculous part. They bring her back to the house and they perform a nasal swab COVID test on her. Yeah. And that's, so this is where, when I said, okay, I don't think COVID really matters to the movie. This is where it starts mattering yeah. a so bit more. So we find out that the Benji, the guy she was making out with at the party, these are his parents, his dad, his mom. And his brother, the brother died because he was stabbed and killed finally by so Miri. Miri, there's like a sub, like the B story yeah, in this B movie is, is, is Miri being very smart, being a very smartly written character, making a brace for her knee. Her yeah. knee's broken. And then he, the the other guy, like wakes up and tries to go after her and she stabs him mm-hmm. in like the neck. And she like... um hides behind the island and i do i do have a bone to pick and you're gonna get there but there's something that happens in this movie at around this time that i have a bone to pick with and i'll tell you when we get there but so um there's this whole thing they're like you like you went out partying like um and our son is dead and it's like but now your other son's also dead like, this makes no sense of why you would go on this mission and put all your family in, like, this dangerous position. Now your other son has died. Mm-hmm. Like, now you're down two sons, not just the one. And I thought um, Parker makes a good, 
good point because the mom's like where's your mask and she's like where was his yeah she makes a good point like yes it was my fault but like he also is being unsafe so the whole thing was when in the beginning of the movie when dj is showing the video the video of the party that video comes back because that's how these parents knew that their son was at this covid party and um, he was making out with Parker. Which is like 100% of the thing people in colleges were doing before all the colleges sent their kids home. Yes. Was saying, having parties. Having parties. And to where the mom goes like, you couldn't um, sacrifice your kegger for public safety and things like that. But which like is her- like a, something that we all kind of thought about right? when we were hearing these but stories. You got to also think like this kid was doing the same thing. Like the parents... Their anger was misplaced. Their anger was on Parker and all the other kids at the party when like because their son died. And it's like that's understandable that you have all this anger, but their anger was misplaced because he was also being unsafe. There's very much a Mrs. Loomis vibe from Scream 2 here where. Yeah, where it's Mrs. Billy Loomis's mom in Scream 2 is all about oh my boy my boy billy didn't do anything wrong like everybody else was against billy it's the same kind of um it's like no like yeah, he did a bad thing, thing. like he also is at fault and it's like it doesn't really you know and this whole you're asymptomatic um and blah 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 and the the worst part is at during this whole thing miri's like grabbed her laptop and she she's is trying to like she's trying she's texting nine one one. She's trying. Then she's texting her dad because it's not going through. And like there's a Wi-Fi box, and the Wi-Fi box lights are blinking. And the dad goes, "Someone's using the Wi-Fi." And this I, is the bone I have. And I'm pick. like, "Is that how Wi-Fi works?" No, this is the bone I'm picking with this movie because I might be stupid. And somebody, if this is how Wi-Fi works, I'm gonna Google it you as need we co- to tell me right now if that's how Wi-Fi works because both Bree and I watched the scene of the movie and we were just like, that is a really weird way to try to figure out that somebody else is in this house. Who the hell thinks about that? I didn't know that. I didn't think that that's why Wi-Fi lights blink on the box is because it's in active use. I assume that the lights blink because the wi-fi is on because it is available to be used it says typically a rapidly blinking light means that your connection is working and transmitting data so yes they do but if who knows that yeah but if you're watching tv that's also wi-fi transmitting data if in any situation as long as there is um something connected to a phone for example is connected to the wi-fi then it's going to blink because the phone is always on the Wi-Fi, regardless of if you're using the internet or something. So I just think that that's a weird thing. Like, who knows that? I know. Who, so, who figures that out? That's like, not common it, knowledge Is dad to like a techie guy? Maybe. Like, I don't know. And that's then, not common so knowledge like, to people. Also, like, there's a lot of assumptions that can be made because, like, somebody doesn't have to actively be using their phone to be connected to so the wi-fi the woman's like go check on her it must be the friend go check and see if she's he's like no she's dead it's like you need to go check so the dad leaves then mary and parker kind of overcome this woman and push her out the door knocking her out and then we have like this fight scene with the dad when he comes back they push him off the railing he gets impaled 
on like Texas Longhorns on like horns, <laughs> and but then we have to deal with like now this crazy woman is after them, and they have this fight scene with her and an axe and protecting themselves with the the gas can. They're in a they're in the barn. They're in a barn now. trying to get it like a tractor or golf carty kind of deal thing working, and um. They're using the the gas tank as like a protection thing, and like this woman is like really trying to um get them. What happens is Miri kind of like starts a f- uh, a flame on the woman, and the woman like runs away because she's on fire. And it kind of ends with the two friends walking out okay, and um the woman's kind of in the middle of the street as the cops are driving and approaching. So someone did call the cops. It's Mary's like either her note to her dad probably made it through and dad called the cops. For mm-hmm. them. So you have this whole thing where like, I was like, well, yeah, the girls acted in self-defense. They freaking, the whole family was just murdered and it all had to do with like their, do you think this is going to be like, um, Let's say we have an epilogue to this movie. Do you think those girls are walking away without going to jail? Yeah, it was all, it was all self defense. So I'm thinking of. Um, do you remember the movie You're Next? Um, Adam Wingard's movie about the. <laughs> That's the movie. That's the movie. That's the movie we were. You're next about the brother who wanted money from the family, so he hires the three um, masked men to come in and kill the family members. Yes, that's, that's what... the movie. Mother of God, we got it. Okay, holy crap! Goodness. How insane is that? That you're trying that to just make a naturally connection? came up in conversation. Oh my God, that movie! I would movie like to we watch that movie again. It was that good. That's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow, that was the movie. <laughs> <laughs> how crazy! Um, it's almost that we could have written that into this podcast, but that was like a genuine like thing that just happened Mm -hmm. is you had referenced this movie like half hour, 40 minutes ago. And we were just like, Oh, I can't remember what that movie was. What was that movie? Naturally just comes up. How cool is that? Yeah, And I was like, Oh, what is that movie? (laughs) (laughs) That's really fun. Um, that was a genuine moment that you all just experienced here with us. Um, but it's sim- similarly to like your next at the end of the movie where it's implied that she went to jail. She took the heat for all the murders that happened. Do you think that's something that might happen as a result of this movie? Because like who can corroborate these stories? They corroborate each other's story. Yeah, I guess so. And it's it's here's where I have the issue. I feel for the family. Like I feel for them. It's just mispa- misplaced grief. Mm-hmm. I was like, they took it to the extreme, and I think that's where but we that, get like, and that's where horror movies usually are. Mm-hmm. Is that you get the villain of the movie usually notches it up to fifteen when they should be at like an eight. Yeah, it's like you can feel angry about it, and we find out that Tyler was the one who gave her the yeah, so that COVID, makes so that's sense. why they killed him. And it's like they were contact tracing and killing people who like gave their child like. When, when it comes down to the writing of this movie, the one thing I, I think I can appreciate a lot with Williamson's script here is that, remember how I told you I was listening to the Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the guys who make South Park, they were talking about their writing process for the episodes and they're saying like, you should never have your script 
uh, this happens, then this happens, and this happens, then this happens. It should be this happens because this happens. So therefore, this this thing is happens. like the definition of this happens yes. because of this, mm-hmm. and this is every everything of that this. is done in this movie is done because of a previous choice made. So like even at the climax of the movie. She's not set on fire for any random reason. It's because she's using an axe on yes. a gas can. Yep. Everything leads to one another, one thing. So that, like that exercise in stay away from and then and do these other words like because, therefore, in like whatever it is. Um, I th- that is really, really, really present with this movie. And you can go back to really any decision that's made by the characters in these movies, and it's always a result of a previous thing that has happened five minutes, ten minutes before, and, and things like that. So while we were very, like, overtly critical of the use of... I mean, it does of, a lot of stuff correct. It, yes. It, it balances, I think, pretty well where, yes, this is a movie where the COVID stuff is pretty... beats you over the head and is kind of in poor taste but creatively the movie succeeds um is it memorable i don't think so i don't think it reinvents the the genre like scream did or has a lot to say like scream did but i think you can see like some good writing here some Mm -hmm. good horror writing some good story beats um, so good character writing, like the characters making the right decisions when they need to make the right decisions. Um, so it's not like we're we're dogging on Kevin Williamson. So it's just that I have to ask the COVID you, thing because you want to do this separately from how scary is it? How good was the movie? Okay, if I'm gonna give it a score from like one to ten on how good it was, how good it is, I'm gonna give it maybe like a six seven. I'm going to go six. It's a fairly good movie. Now, the more important question is, how scary is it? You go first. I gave it a 4.1. Oh, interesting. I wanted it to be scarier. Like, I think it it has a lot of promise when we start off, right? But I think it loses its scariness when it goes with this COVID thing. Yes. I was like, oh, if this was a movie that I, wasn't based I, I in hate, COVID, it I hate might to have say been more effective. When the COVID thing came out as a motivation, I was like, oh, that's lame. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was, I just, I the was same like, thing. oh, they forced her a COVID test, like in her blood nose, like nose swab. I was like, this is lame. So that's where it took it down from what could have been like a six. COVID is already like, scary. Like a six like, something to like a four something. It dropped like two points. Because I was just like, I can't get over that but this is I think all horror movies about... do that all the time where it's like when the payoff is shown and the characters are committed to the payoff being revealed and like flowing with it, then it becomes more of, all right, this is getting a little ridiculous. Um, I think horror movies are always at fault with that stuff. And um, I think this could have been a really, really effective horror movie had we taken the beat you over the head with covid out of it um if we had made the characters motivations a little bit different or based it in something else we might have had a really really uh, not a more a really effective horror movie but more effective than what we were given yeah i gave this a 4.1 i gave this a 5.8 on the scary scale um because there are mo like the camera work in this movie is very eerie 
Um, the tone of the movie is very until we get to the payoff, and um, the way that the, the characters kill, are the, smart, the smartness of the characters, the way they interact with each other, and the way that we have this lingering threat for the first half of the movie of we see the background like our our eyes now that we know that the killer's in the background our eyes are always focused on the background i know we're always expecting something i mean it was it was good i it was it was fairly scary yes i agree and we should wrap this up because my mom texted me that she's almost at our house oh my goodness okay so i hope you enjoyed we have our social medias are not together yet yet. no we do not have our schnit together but we do have an intro and an outro so you're welcome um get a hold of us we're review podcast one at gmail.com if you want to get a hold of us and suggest a scary movie um you can um listen to us wherever you get your podcast apple podcast spotify we're on everything google everything um if you want to follow him on twitter you may at gldtv1 and if you want to get a hold of me, got a contact trace. Yeah, you just keep going far back and as you can. Far enough? Far enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. This has been How Scary Is It? I'm Bree. And I'm Anthony. And we hope you enjoyed. And we'll see you next time. Bye.